Yo Pots. Check out Meet Mitch and Leawood for award-winning barbecue, outstanding atmosphere, and your destination to watch all your favorite March Madness action. Tailgating for opening day? Place your order online and pick up on way to the game. Meet Mitch Barbecue, East 95th and Mission and Ranch Martin North Shopping Center. The one and only Adam Teicher has still not yet tried to cash in that coupon for a great night on the town with me and Beards. Maybe now that the off-season's arrived, we'll be able to, uh, I don't know, just tear up Westport or something. We'll, we'll leave it up to the aforementioned Adam Teicher of ESPN, who joins us now here in the zone. Joshua Briscoe and Beards McFly with you, Jason Anderson, day-to-day, but uh, a non-participant in today's show. Adam, do you think it's bad juju for me to uh, to call Jason day-to-day? Is that is that actually a really horrible omen? We're not going to hear from him for a long time if you do, so I might, might not want to do that, yeah. Uh, we had uh, we talked to you last week, it was I guess the day before the parade, right? And uh, I, I imagine most of the confetti has probably been swept up over this last week, but was there uh, was there anything of the, uh, the festivities that you saw last week that, um, I don't know, helped you put a bow on anything with the Chiefs season, or was it just a lot of uh, beer drinking and pouring and confetti around the city for you? Well, that's what the parade is, right? A right. lot of beer drinking and confetti pouring and all that. But, you know, um, hey, I don't know how many beers he'd had by this point. But, you know, when Pat Mahomes just said, hey, we're just kind of getting started here, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, that, you know, is that uh, parade talk or is that how seriously should we take that, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it, it's it, it's kind of easy from this vantage point to to maybe let your mind go there and, and think there's going to be a bunch more of these championships and a bunch more of these parades, you know? So, uh, I don't know. I, I guess that's natural. Everybody coming out of a parade probably thinks they're going to be seeing a bunch more parades. You know, mm-hmm. the Rams last year probably thought, well, there's going to be another parade again next year, you know? Mm-hmm. So, I, so I think some of this is just natural, but some of it is like I, I think you have to – you have to take it seriously, maybe, when, when yeah. Pat Mahomes is your quarterback and he's 27, still only 27 years old. It's one of the things I, I've kind of started talking about a little bit this week. When when you look at specifically, and it's, a, it's just a, a one section of the team, when you look at the back two-thirds of the Chiefs' defense, now look, at, you know we know that Legereus Sneed's got one year left on his deal. they got to figure it out with Chris Jones. Willie Gay is going into the last year of his deal. But if they do bring back Juan Thornhill, Adam, it, it's going to be the exact same group, not only of starters, but of depth guys next year. And, and it's not like the run-it-back campaign where it's, it's guys on are you already partway through their second contracts and in the the later you know stretches of their of their careers? It's a bunch of rookies and, and rookie contract guys who who played excellently down the stretch. It it just seems like to me the the organizational health even beyond Mahomes it it makes that kind of talk not not nonsense. No, I agree. I mean, it's it's you know you've got a great starting point with the with the quarterback, and then you add in some of the things you're talking about and uh, no doubt um, it, it is easy to see a bright future for the Chiefs and even if they don't sign a Juan Thornhill you know they drafted Brian Cook last yep. year I had, Brian Cook will step in and, and take that place uh, you know they'll need to do something for a nickel safety but they'll fi- they'll figure that part out so um, you know I th- there is a plan in place I mean it's uh you know, it's easy to see that the, the Chiefs have a lot of good things going for them, and uh, 
they're not going anywhere anytime soon, that's for sure. With the benefit of this extra week to kind of let the uh, both the literal and the proverbial confetti settle, what what do you look back on as as being kind of some of the turning points or the the true storylines of what this season ended up being? Yeah, I, I guess I, I go back to um, you know, training camp where Steve Spagnolo was sort of being. You know, he, he, despite his protests, he, he's not the biggest guy. He, he sort of acknowledged this before that he's not real easy on rookies. That, right. You know, that playing rookies is kind of a, 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 a he makes them prove it over and over and over and over again before he's uh, going to put them in the lineup. And we've seen that in previous years with different guys like Juan Thornhill, Willie Gay. You know, we, we've seen that before. But this year he really had no choice, you know, and, and, um, so I was wondering where the Chiefs were going to be headed defensively when they had to play so many young guys on that side of the ball, and uh, they they kind of got rewarded for that. You know that yeah. um, you wonder where they would have been without a, a Jalen Watson, for instance, or a, a Trent McDuffie. You know where 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 would the Chiefs have been without those guys? So uh, just kind of a it, it always sort of starts with me for the Chiefs on defense. How good are they going to be on defense? We. I think we're, we're pretty sure they're going to score some points and do some good things when they have the ball. But can their defense um, uphold their end of the bargain? And um, I, I was wondering about that this season. And, I, I, you know, there were times maybe where you wondered about it. They certainly weren't consistent uh, from week to week with some of the things they got done. They weren't necessarily great in the Super Bowl defensively, but they did make a one big play that helped them win the game. So I guess the, the, the defense coming together – maybe would have been a, a, a big story for me. I, I thought that um, uh, you know that, that was a, a question mark I had going into the season. Yeah, and I, I, I'm completely with you, and it also makes me chuckle just because we, we are so easily, it's like, oh yeah, the offense, I mean, it's Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey, so they'll probably be, you know, one of the best offenses in football, regardless of who the other pass catchers end up being, and that, that it was absolutely the case, and I'm again, I'm, I'm with you on the story of the, the rookie defenders just being that's, that certainly had the highest variance, I think. Um, but what have you what have yeah. you made from sort of the uh, the back and forth, the the uh, nobody believed in us sort of rallying cries that a few of the Chiefs have have found, and then the response from other places saying, "Oh, great, the Chiefs are just gaslighting people now." Um, how do you remember the off season last year actually going? What what's the uh, the truth somewhere <laughs> in the middle there? Well, I'm glad you asked that because I, I wondered if I just sort of blacked out for most of the off season <laughs> and just didn't remember all of these people saying the Chiefs were going to be terrible this year. I guess I don't remember that. I, I really don't. I mean, I, 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 there were some questions, and, sure. and uh, you know, are they going to win the AFC West? Or, you know, have the other teams done enough? You know, there, there were some questions, sure, but I don't recall anybody saying the Chiefs were going to be terrible. So I. I'm thinking this is a little bit of revisionist history, maybe that uh, um, you know. And I, I always like it if hey, if you don't like what people are saying about you, say something at the time. Don't wait till you win a Super Bowl before telling them they're wrong. You know that that's kind of a bad look. You know, in my opinion, that hey, if, if you think you're being wronged. It, it, it makes you feel like you're, you're wronged only after you were right. If that makes <laughs> yeah, sense. So, absolutely. Uh, yeah. I, 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 so I, I just think it's a, a really weird look. And I was I, really, I was starting to wonder, 
is my memory faulty? Because I don't remember any of this or remember much of this. So, uh, yeah, I, that, that to me, that part is a little bit of a bad look, and I don't think the Chiefs need to really be going there. Yeah, I you know, I don't think it was quite as bad as when Georgia was doing it after the national championship, right? Because uh that one I'm I'm pretty sure most people had. But I, I remember there being, like you said, the questions about the division and, you know, these teams loading up for the Chiefs and what are they gonna look like without Tyreek Hill, but it maybe for me it just felt like even at the time those questions were, were overblown, but maybe that's because you and I knew better, you know, we weren't swept up like the rest of these dopes who were ready to buy into, you know, the uh the let's ride Broncos. Maybe we were too smart for everybody else. Well, you know, I, I did. I will give myself a, an ounce of credit that I did pick the Chiefs to win the AFC West. Right. Now, I, I also picked them to lose the AFC Championship game and then lose the Super Bowl as well. So uh, I, maybe that was just a lucky guess. Maybe the Chiefs really weren't very, very good. I just guessed and was lucky. <laughs> well, I think either way, either you get credit for being right or you get credit for being a great motivator. I don't know. Regardless, I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna text Clark Hunt and see if we can get you a get you a ring. Uh, regardless, because I, I feel like you've uh, you've earned that. Um, one guy who is getting a ring, but but not to you know cast dispersions on the Washington franchise already, but probably not going to be getting another ring again quite as quickly is, is Eric Bieniemy. Um, it, it seemed Adam like it was especially by the Super Bowl kind of an open secret that Eric Bieniemy was probably in his last game as a member of the Kansas City Chiefs. I, I heard people um, talking about, you know, the locker room environment there with guys spending their time with Biennemi carefully and, and kind of knowing that that might have been it. I, I'm curious if you could take us back to, to specifically the environment around Biennemi right after the Super Bowl and then as the dust settled and we saw everything unfold with Washington, we can kind of get into to what happened there. But but do you remember that going kind of a, a similar way where it seemed like players knew this was probably Biennemi's last ride? Yeah, and, and, you know, even Andy Reid was talking about it publicly. And when Andy Reid's talking about it, you're, you're pretty sure that it's going to be happening. You know, he was – even he was saying, hey, you know, he, he – you know, it's probably going to be a good thing for him to move on and run his own show and get to be Eric the Enemy, you know. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, I, I think it was pretty clear that um, change was coming here. And, you know, the, the Chiefs had been preparing for this for a while. You know, Mike Kafka would have been the offensive coordinator had Eric Bieniemy gotten a head coaching job in previous years. And and once he moved on, they brought back Matt, Matt Nagy to fill that role. So, uh, you know, I think the expectation was for a while that this was going to be happening. And certainly, um, you know, yeah, as the, as the hours counted down towards the Super Bowl, I think it became pretty clear that he was going to be moving on. You mentioned this in the uh, in the story on ESPN.com that you and uh, John Kime did kind of from both perspectives of Washington side and Kansas City side. If you've noted it, I've noted it a hundred times. You can decide how much you want to get into particulars of, of this part where, look, the idea of getting out of Andy Reid's shadow was not something that Doug Peterson had to do. It was not something that Matt Nagy had to do, right? Both of those guys went straight from this job where they were less successful for less time and got the head coaching job straight out of it. But the enemy makes this move to Washington. But he, he does get the assistant head coach title. It does sound like it's a multi-year deal with more guaranteed money and more money altogether for him. So how do you kind of rate this move for Biennemi, understanding that that fairly or unfairly, I'd lean towards the latter, the NFL told him, hey, we, we want you to, to do another step first before you get that head coaching call. Yeah, I, I think it's, it's probably, I mean, it, 
we, we have to agree, right, that it's a necessary step for him. I mean, I, I think we have to agree it wasn't going to happen for him for whatever reason, yeah. you know, when he's, uh, as long as he stayed with Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes. So uh, it was a necessary step. But was it the right step, though? Because, um, you know, that, that's been a team that's been awful offensively for a long time. And, um, you know, they do have some good players, but their, their quarterback situation still very unsettled. Um, so you just wonder. And, and, hey, if you can succeed in that situation, then mm-hmm. it's all good. And, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, it, it will have been worth it. But you, you just wonder, okay, was this right? I mean, is he biting off more than he can chew in this particular instance? And uh, so I guess we'll find out when the season starts. But... That, that's been a tough place over the years, not just to play offense and score points, but to win games. And so you wonder a little bit. I, I hope he's doing the right thing, but um, I, I don't blame him for, for being antsy and being ready to move on. Yeah, do you think there's any, and this is regret isn't always a very useful emotion, I suppose, but do you think there's any regret of, of not trying to make a move like this last year and kind of buying into one more ride with the Chiefs? Or, or do you get the feeling that, hey, even with all that said about Washington, this will be his offense. It is with the guy that has a relationship with Andy Reid already in Ron Rivera, and, and it will be fully his show. I mean, do you, do you get the feeling that, you know, difficult, difficult sideways step notwithstanding that that he's okay with this being the circumstance or was there an opportunity recently where you, you know does, does he wish he would have gone with with a Brian Daybull to Washington or to uh, to New York where Kafka went and was able to call the plays or, or did it need to be with the defensive head coach well I think the defensive head coach is uh, is a big thing I think that's um, part of the attraction in Washington for him but you know it's to the timing of it, I, I have a hard time seeing how having a second Super Bowl championship is a bad thing to have on your resume. Right. You know. Right. And, yep. You know, that's that's not to say he wouldn't have had something great on his resume had he gone to the Giants or or somewhere else. Sure. Um, last year as an offensive coordinator, you know, he's crossed another year off the calendar in that regard. But I, I don't know that. You can look at it, Super Bowl championship, and say, "Well, that was a wasted year for Eric Bieniemy." You know, I, I think that's probably a good thing. And if and when the time comes that he is a head coach, I think whoever hires him will probably look favorably on it. Hey, he, he didn't do it just once; he repeated. He did it a second time, and then was able to go on to Washington to do some good things. So I, I just feel like that's a a nice thing to have on a resume, regardless of um, anything else. Yeah, I think that's I, I think that's a good perspective. It wouldn't surprise me one bit if Eric Bieniemy has no interest in apologizing for another year coordinating a, a Super Bowl winning offense. I saw in his you know signing the contract photo with the Commanders that that uh, that first Super Bowl ring was was on his hand there in the picture, and um, maybe he's signing a head coaching contract in a year or two with with two of them on. Um, with that being said, you you mentioned uh, the name of Matt Nagy and again up in the, the story on ESPN.com as well. It, it feels like he is the the obvious answer for who they expect to have as their next offensive coordinator. Um, they've got to have an external minority candidate to, to fulfill the Rooney rule, right? Do you think there's any chance that, that anyone comes outside in to, to make a case for that job, or, or is it just Matt Nagy's? Yeah, I would be very surprised if it was anybody but Nagy. Um, 
that's just how Andy Reid operates. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he he doesn't. You know, I, I guess the, the Bob Sutton thing was when, when he hired him as defensive coordinator was a little bit outside the box for him. But other than that, because he had not worked with Bob Sutton. But other than that, it's it's all been guys who he's familiar with, you know, who have coached for him before. So, um, no, I, I don't see that. I mean, he's got a plan, and he's going to stick to it, and, and this was the plan. Uh, you know, like as I said earlier, that it would have been Mike Kafka had right. Eric Bammy left two or three years ago while Nagy was still with the Bears. And um, so and I'm, not, I'm not even sure Matt Nagy would be here with the Chiefs if yeah. Mike Kafka was still with the Chiefs. So uh, um, there's a plan, and, and it's going to take something – unforeseen and probably spectacular for him to change that plan. So I, I would expect that Matt Nagy will get that job uh, whatever it's uh, handed out. And then what about the, the quarterback's coaching spot? There, there are a couple of guys on the staff that I'll, I'll just rattle off a couple names knowing that um, both Joe Blameyer and Greg Lewis have coached multiple positions. Uh, and then David Girardi is the pass game analyst and assistant quarterback's coach now. Or do you think there's a chance that that's a spot where they might actually go outside? I, I've seen some Chiefs fans on Twitter wondering if, if uh, Cliff Kingsbury is back from uh, Thailand yet. Uh, do, do you think there's anyone from either the the college ranks elsewhere in the NFL, or, or if that one's going to be an internal hire, you think? Yeah, that one maybe has a better chance of being an outside hire, but David Girardi's been around for a few years now, and I know the Chiefs think very highly of him. So with the chance to promote him into this uh, this position that's going to be open here, that would surprise me if the Chiefs went outside mm-hmm. as well. So I, I think David Girardi would probably be the guy there, but um, I'm less sure about that than I am about Matt Nagy, but still fairly confident. Uh, so from their website, he's been there for the, uh, he was offensive quality control coach for three seasons. He's been the uh, his second season in this role, pass game analyst, assistant quarterbacks coach these last couple of years. I don't mean to give you a pop quiz on a guy that a lot of Chiefs fans might be kind of really meeting for the first time soon, but um, do, you, do you know anything else about what it is that the Chiefs see that they think highly of him or just that uh, a lot of these assistant coaches, they, they keep away from us pretty well? Yeah, they, they sure, <laughs> they sure do. Uh, but the Chiefs have been high on him for some time. I know Andy Reid likes him, and uh, um, I, I feel like Girardi was probably sticking around for this eventuality, that, hmm. that this job was going to come open at some point. So, um, um, hey, uh, you know, the Chiefs could go again. They could go a hundred different ways here, sure. but uh, I, I do feel like this is, this is probably what they're going to end up doing. Well, Adam, I'd like to look ahead a little bit to the next phase of the offseason because it's already here. I hope you enjoyed your break. Uh, we had about 24 hours between the end of the parade and the franchise tag window opening up. I'd, I'd like to look ahead to a few things the Chiefs may have to, uh, some decisions they're going to have to make in the next couple of months. So uh, we'll take a quick time out here in the zone. We'll come back and talk more with Adam Teicher of ESPN next. The Zone with Jason Anderson. If cheese was an antidote, I would be the healthiest man in the world right now. You have no idea how much cheese I've eaten in the last year. Weekdays from 10 to 2 on Sports Radio 810 WHB.
The cheesiest one still with you here. Joshua Briscoe, Beards McFly, Jason Anderson out today, day to day. You know, no no IR stint for him yet. We're just hoping that that ankle, you know, heals up nicely. It was the turf in Arizona. He's hasn't been the same since he got down there. His ankles just haven't been quite right. Uh, but we do have the one, the only Adam Teicher of ESPN still with us here in the zone. Um, Adam, I guess I, I could have asked if I don't know if there's anything else from your uh, your trip back from Arizona. Did you did you go ahead and peel up like a huge chunk of turf to bring back as a, a souvenir or anything <laughs> like that? Did you make it back in one piece, unlike the field? I did make it back in one piece. Uh, it was a uh, it was a good trip. I uh, I really liked it out there. Got to uh, uh, go watch the uh, Phoenix Open on Ooh. Saturday, the day before the football game. Yeah, that was uh, that was a good time. I do. We didn't make it into the 16th hole. There was like this huge line. We got there late, and there was this huge line to get in. So we didn't get into the 16th hole and give beer showers to guys down there. <laughs> but. Uh, we uh, we did have a good time, so that part was good. And uh, I, you know, the desert. I, it, it's hard to argue with the desert this time of year. It's uh, yeah. it's spectacular out there. So uh, it's yeah. a good time. Yeah, it's a good place to be. What was the uh, what was the best thing you ate in in Arizona? Um, had a good carne atabata plate at um, in, in Scottsdale. Yeah, it was uh, it was pretty good. Yes, it was. Uh, yeah, so it was a Mexican place. Uh, very good. Oh, man, I just Googled that, and I shouldn't have asked you that question so close to lunchtime. Beards, do you have a few questions for Adam Teicher? I will bring us back lunch. I don't know if I'm going to make the Scottsdale or not, but my goodness, this looks incredible. Uh, yeah, Adam, you and Beards for a little bit. I'm gonna, At the very least, I'm going to get like a delivery app open. Beards, what you got for Adam? Get one for me, too. I will. I'll, I'll send it out to you. Um, Beards wasn't ready. I don't have nothing, Beards. You want to ask him an NBA question, anything? Just no, as, I didn't just have anything. To, all right. <laughs> Well, uh, we'll. I guess we'll do football then. While I make my two uh, thirty lunch plans, because um, I, I do want to look ahead to things other than just lunch, like the Chiefs' off season. Um, the uh, The Chiefs' offensive line held up really well in that Super Bowl against that pass rush. That matchup went much better than I expected for it to. Do you think that that did end up moving the uh, the total bottom line number for either Andrew Wiley or Orlando Brown now with the franchise tag uh, window opening up today, obviously being an option for, for Brown? Yeah, well, I'm, I'm not asking any less <laughs> if I'm either of those two guys. I'm not asking any less now than I would have before the Super Bowl. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Uh, and as far as Andrew Wiley goes, specifically him, I do think he made some money um, off the Super Bowl. You know, he was so good that, uh, you know, he might might have uh, uh, convinced uh, another team or two to, to enter the bidding for him when he becomes a free agent, if, if assuming it gets that far. But, um, um, you know, good for him, man. He's, uh, I think he's played himself into a decent contract here. So, uh you know, there's uh, there's that now. Orlando Brown, uh, unfortunately for him, is going to be restricted a little bit by this franchise tag. I mean, yeah. I'm assuming they don't get anything done in the next uh, ten days or uh, uh, March seventh. I think is the deadline. So I, I'm assuming they'll uh, won't get anything done, and that he'll be the franchise player again. So that's going to restrict him a little bit. So, uh, but uh, I, but as far as his asking price on a long-term deal, no, I, I can't imagine it's come down one bit since last year, probably gone up. And um, so you wonder whether the Chiefs are going to willing to be paying more than they would have last year. I, yeah. I, uh, I, I don't know. That's an interesting question, but I, I would doubt that they would. 
And I, I'm not completely, I had a tab open at some point that I've now lost. I'm not completely up to date with all my NFL deadlines, but um, like you said, the, the franchise tag window, I think March 7th sounds right. Then they have until uh, mid-July it was this year in terms of like getting that right. long-term deal done. So um, it, it seems to me like it would make the most sense to assume that they do tag Brown, like you said, and then they, they spend the next few months trying to work out the long-term deal. Is, is that your expectation? Absolutely. Uh, you know, that's kind of how it went last year, and um, I would expect that they'll try to get something done again after, um, you know, after he's the franchise player, but we'll see. Um, you know, they, they really weren't that close last year, so, uh, right. you know, what's changed? Are the Chiefs in, in a more generous mood? Does he want to stay badly enough to take a little bit less than he otherwise would have liked? Um, I, I doubt it, so we'll see. So yeah, I don't want to like try to make us pick a, a few numbers here when we might have literal months to actually go through all of the drama. But just for kind of like a a temperature check from both sides, do you get the feeling that the Chiefs are actually wanting to get a long term deal done with them after tagging him? Do you think that Brown is in a place where where you know there there is a reasonable goal there? Would there be concern for either side that if it is just the franchise tag again this year, which means he could freely walk next off season? Is there concern that he would even play out the tag a second time? Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. That's a. There's a lot there. You know, I think he would like to stay, and I think the Chiefs would like to have him, but um, only at their own respective prices. You know, yeah. they're not going to uh, take probably less than or, or, or give more than what they want to give. And um, you know, as far as whether uh, Orlando Brown would sit out a season, if that, that's I think that's what you were asking there. Yeah. Um, I, I don't think so. I, you know, I, I think he's really concerned about his legacy and mm. what he's going to leave behind when his career is over and how people are going to remember him. And um, I, I just don't think he wants to be remembered as a guy who fairly or unfairly sat out a season um, yeah. because over a salary dispute. You know, whether it was, you know, the, the, the team was treating him fairly or not, that that part is always kind of lost to history. And it's you're just sort of remembered as a guy who, who, you know, again, fairly or unfairly, where money was more important to you than football was. And I don't think that's the case. I don't think that's Orlando Brown's that kind of guy. I'm not suggesting yeah. money's not important to him. I think it is. But um, I, I think his playing career and his legacy are more important to him than money. And he's going to be sacrificing possibly both of them by sitting out a full season. So I, I don't see that. I, I think he would. it would be like this year. When push came to shove, he would show up and maybe not be happy about it, but sign the franchise tender. But I, I'll say this for Orlando Brown. Once he did sign that, that tender last year and when he did show up, the, whatever contract dispute there was was over. That was yeah. There was no grumbling. There was no complaining. There was no, I got to get out of here. He was all about football. So that, that's the kind of guy I think he is. That, you know, while he might not be happy with the situation he's been put in, um, he, he's, he's going to put it behind him when it's time to play ball. 
Man, I think that's a really, really interesting, really good read of that that we don't, we just don't talk about very much because whatever their contract disputes, and again, specifically like last year, there, there is vitriol that comes out for players who aren't there the, the first day they can be, you know, because they're trying to get the money figured out. And a lot of times that does end up attaching reputation to these guys of you're just, you know, it's all about the money and it's all about getting paid as much as possible. But it's such a good point, even going back to like him getting out of Baltimore, you know, and wanting to be a left tackle based off of, you know, what his dad had told him before he passed and obviously also having played in the league and the the legacy as a ball player, you know, and and with what uh, keeping in mind what you want to leave behind. We just don't talk about that stuff very much until the contracts come around. And then, like I said, it's it, it gets really vitriolic whenever that is is being done. And, and I think he caught a lot of strays through that negotiation period. And, and then, like you said, then it. It didn't come up again. Orlando Brown was never a sour sport, even when he was getting fairly like tough questions about tough stretches of his season. And then he's, you know, such a a, a focal point of of not just like the offense because he's the left tackle, but of the leadership group, right? Like it seems like I, I see him with with Patrick Mahomes just as much as just about anybody, uh, where where he really has been a one hundred percent full full part of this team. I. That's not really a question well, there. I just think it's really interesting and a really good perspective for you to offer. Yeah, and, and I don't – maybe I just don't remember. And maybe there's another guy who fits into this category who surpasses um, Orlando Brown in this regard. But I don't remember a guy being so ungrumpy, if you will, about – playing on a franchise tag. I mean, most of the guys are like, ah, I'm, I'm being held here at gunpoint. I don't want to be here. Yeah. This is BS. I don't want to play for this team. I don't want to play for this contract. I, I, but he, he was really the, the other way with it. I mean, he, he was, it was like dead and buried by the time he showed up yeah. uh, that first day of training camp. So, uh, um, so uh, yeah, I, I don't. Um, I, I just feel like he's a little different in that regard than most guys are. So, and maybe I'm reading the situation wrong, but I don't think yeah. so. I, I, so I don't see him sitting out a season to to, to answer the question. Yeah, I think that's really interesting. Adam Teicher of ESPN with us here in the zone. Uh, a couple other guys who who may end up heading elsewhere. We uh, we saw today McCole Hardman posted that he was having surgery, and then a little later, Tom Pelissero tweeted out that uh, that Hardman had. This is a quote from Pelissero: "quote uh, successful groin repair surgery in Philadelphia, cleared up the issue he was dealing with this past season." Um, so it, it sounds like that all went well, and, and whatever exactly it was that was going on with Hardman there, hopefully won't affect him going forward. Do you think there's any any case to be made for, hey, come back for one more year in Kansas City. Let's get your value back up again before you hit the market. Or do you think Hardman's market is going to be just fine and that eventually someone's going to outbid the Chiefs for his services? Yeah, you know, I, I think there's a great, you know, if the market for him doesn't develop, like you suggest, I think there's a great chance he comes back and does a, you know, a contract similar, say, to what Juju Smith-Schuster did mm-hmm. this year for the Chiefs. You know, the one-year kind of prove-it deal, you know, incentive-laden. You know, I, I can see that. Um, um, but I, I still think that he's going to be more important to some other team than he mm. is to the Chiefs. Um, you know, he <laughs> not that... I think the Chiefs are a better team with McCall Hardman in their lineup, but they just won a Super Bowl without him. He didn't play for the last, what, 
three months or whatever it was of yeah. the season. So, or he played the one game and and, and uh, had to leave early against right. Cincinnati. So, um, yeah. So um, I, I I just don't know that if you're the Chiefs, you're going to give him what he could fairly receive from another team. But if that does not develop, sure, I could see him coming back next year. No doubt about it. Let's stick with the same position then uh, with Juju Smith-Schuster. I do wonder if there's another team that that would be more that, that, that he would be more important to them than he was for the Chiefs this year. Because even though it wasn't always eye-popping production, you could see how he was being used in this offense. So uh, with just the one year, one year in Kansas City, it seems like he has been very happy to be here. He gets a ring his first year in Kansas City. If I make you put your first bet down here on February 21st, what is your uh, what's your best gamble on on where Juju ends up? Oh wow! Um, how about I put fifty percent of my money one way and fifty percent of another <laughs> way? Uh, uh, I guess I'll lose on the juice. That's that the, way, I'm the but, I'm uh, the juice here. I'm the book, so I'm happy as long as you're putting money down. Okay. You know? Okay. Um, I'm going to say he's back with the Chiefs. Um, I, I don't obviously I'm not very confident with that one, mm-hmm. but I, I think the Chiefs would like to have him. Um, I don't know how much they're willing to back that up with their pocketbook, you know, yeah. with their checkbook, but I, he, they liked him. They, they thought he brought something to their team, and, uh, um, and uh, he, he was a good fit in what they asked him to do, what they wanted him to do. So I, I think there's a pretty good chance that um, Juju is back next year. Um, you know, I, I, in terms of Hardman, I think the Chiefs began the process of replacing him maybe when they traded for Kadarius Tony last year. So uh, I don't know that they have a replacement for Juju Smith-Schuster. They, no, no, it's not to say they couldn't find one. Um, but I, I don't know that there's a guy um, who's going to be readily available that they could pick up who could do for them the same things that, uh, that he did. Adam, I appreciate you making the time for us today, and I was just looking at the NFL schedule. I think this time next week when we talk to you, you, you might be uh, either in or in route to Indianapolis. Will you be up there for the Combine? I will not. I'm not going to the combine. Okay. Um, yeah, so uh, we will be watching the combine from afar, but uh, but uh, still talking Chiefs with you guys, no doubt. Yeah, absolutely. Look, and I don't mean to begrudge the good people of Indianapolis, but when you said you will not, my first thought was that I was going to congratulate you on not having to make that trip. <laughs> uh, not because the combine doesn't sound like a great time, but because you've been on the road a lot for a while. This uh, this yeah. Chiefs season did not give you a chance to. Uh, to go hit Cancun with Cliff Kingsbury at any point uh, up until uh, around this time. So hope that you're uh, you're enjoying keeping your feet in Kansas City for a little while, and we'll talk to you again next week. You bet, Josh. And uh, take Jason off that day to day list, man. I, I don't want to see anybody on there. <laughs> right now, he is uh, he is questionable to be here this time <laughs> next week. But that's just, that's just because probable is not a real designation anymore. You know, I I think there's a pretty good chance. But uh, I'm going to talk to Rick, and I'll, I'll get that right to you. All right, good stuff. <laughs> Adam Teicher of ESPN with us here in the zone. Yeah, that's right. We, we expect Jason to be back. Uh, but again, right now, I mean, literally day to day, it's, I don't know. Beards, have you che- can, you, can you text Jason and ask if he has a Haglund's deformity? I want to know, how is, how is it in his spirit? That sounds painful. It, it, it certainly does. Yeah, I will never forget that um, as basically like the bone growth that Eric the Eric Bieniemy, good lot, good lord, Eric Barry was uh, dealing with in like the back of his heel. 
That was a really. I'm sorry that I like. I know that the Chiefs parade was less than a week ago, and that now I have made everyone remember one of the saddest stretches of recent Chiefs history of just perpetually wondering what what literally day to day means. But right now. I think Jason's literally day to day, but listen, if who isn't? You know, if you're sad by that right there. Yeah, just I'm wearing my Chiefs Super Bowl uh, sweatshirt right now. You are got a big ring on it. Other people are probably wearing their Chiefs Super Bowl merch. I got a bunch at home. I didn't wear any of it today. Here's but... the thing: which Super Bowl merch is it? Wow, everybody's happy now. You can look back on the sad times with a a wistful tear in your eye. Because things are better now. You can say, ha ha, remember when, when Eric Berry was day-to-day and then not die afterwards? Like, personally, you not yeah. die? Unlike, also him not dying yeah. was a really big a really Unlike big point of part Bengals of that stretch. Fans, yeah, exactly. They don't have the Super Bowl to look back on. Exactly. They're just sad. They're just perma-sad. Hey, they got two a Super Bowl. We all know how fun it is to get to a Super Bowl and lose it. I mean, what a great offseason we had after that one, huh? That was a blast. Yeah, not so much. I'm uh, I'm happy for Teicher that he doesn't uh, he doesn't have to hop on a plane or get another car for the for every single breath of the NFL season. And hey, another plus doesn't have to travel to the draft either. I mean, I guess we'll all travel to the draft just just a quick little commute. It's a good off season to be based in Kansas City. It's a great season to be rooting for the Kansas City Chiefs. I want to talk about a few of those seeds that Teicher planted just there. We'll do some of that when we come back. Next in the zone, no Jason Anderson, but Joshua Briscoe and Beards McFly sticking around with you. Plus, Myra Medcalf of ESPN joins us in about 20 minutes. Talk a little bit of college basketball as well before we go to Arizona to hear from Todd Lebo at 1. That's the rest of the show. More Chiefs talk next. You're in the zone with Jason Anderson. Tell Jason that uh, he's ducking me. On Sports Radio 810 WHB. Thanks again to ESPN's Adam Teicher for joining us, as he does in his usual spot on a Tuesday. A lot of the the four-letter network going around today is we're, we're about 15 minutes away from uh, talking to uh, Myron Medcalf of ESPN as well. Yeah, I I, uh, I wasn't exactly subtle with my appreciation of something that Teicher talked about their last segment, but I'm, I'm going to dive back in again just because I think it touches on something so interesting and that ended up being so underrated about Orlando Brown's part of this team this year that I... I think is a necessary part of the full telling of a contract cycle. Stick with me here. Or don't. I'm not your dad. Or am I? I'm not. Unless? No, I'm not. Metaphorically? Who's to say? But Adam talking about Orlando Brown Jr. last year, where the Chiefs franchise tag him... They work on their long-term deal. You know, Brown ends up with a, a new agent who I, I believe was the he was the first NFL client of. You know, and trying to figure out that whole process. Just everybody kind of you know feeling out the landscape and and what does Brown and his camp want and what are the Chiefs willing to offer and guaranteed money versus years in total money and that's just it's a complicated process with a lot of moving parts. I don't like it very much when 
a player and team's inability to agree on terms to a contract become a reflection of the character of the player. Now, sometimes it can be, right? I don't think absolutes in either direction do anybody any favors here. But when it's, oh, he was trying to get this money and now he's not showing up for the first 45 seconds of training camp, this guy's a selfish scrub. Who does he think he is? Well, what these guys are all trying to do in very finite careers is to maximize their earning potential while their earning potential is at its peak. It's something that all of us would do in similar circumstances. Now, there are different ways that everyone could approach it. There are elements of it where, look, especially, again, if you're if you're Patrick Mahomes, where you have in writing that you are basically guaranteed half a billion dollars, where your endorsement deals will make you exponential amounts of money, not just for the rest of your playing career, but with the way his career is going, the rest of his life. Patrick Mahomes will never have to buy anything in Kansas City ever again, and he could buy Kansas City if he wants to by the end of his career. He's trying, let me tell you. And that's actually, that's a great point, Beards. That is a great point. Anything with Kansas City's name attached, Patrick Mahomes is a shareholder of, which is, just to be clear, awesome. It's also why I'm changing my name to Joshua Briss, Kansas City. And my naming rights can be purchased for $25 million. I will change my name to Josh Giha Briscoe, if that's what it takes. I'll make my middle initials G-E-H-A. I don't, whatever it works. But if you are a, a, a player in the trenches, right, your career is very limited even if you're a tremendous player. Your body can break down and suddenly your career expectation has shortened by five years. And maybe you're in year five, you thought you'd play for ten, your ACL goes, and now all of a sudden your career is over or close to it. Obviously, like for comparison, Eric Fisher and Mitchell Schwartz were, were well, well, well into their careers. They're probably in the in the back chunk of their careers before suffering what more or less amounted to career ending injuries. For Schwartz, he'd played for a really long time and it was a back issue. For Fisher, he tried to stick around in the league and did for a little bit, but was never the same player. So I don't like it very much when that becomes a reflection on personal character of trying to get paid what your market value is indicating, especially in a sport with salary caps, which is artificially deflating salaries. It's collectively bargained, but that is what's happening there. And when you have things like the franchise tag, also collectively bargained, also collectively bargained by guys predominantly who are not ever in fear of being franchise tagged. When you're franchise tagged, you're saying, hey, actually, you don't get to negotiate with us. You're just, we're going to pay you this. We're going to give it all to you this year. It's all guaranteed. It's not a bad deal, but this is going to be the conversation. I do not begrudge players for trying to figure out what they're worth. But if you do get to a point where buzzer just rings and your options are either come play football for a lot of guaranteed money it's just this one year but it's a lot of guaranteed money and you can go try to win a championship with the greatest quarterback currently living or at least currently playing 
Are you going to show up and are you going to be a leader of this team? Can you be a leader of this team on what amounts to a one-year deal while having missed a couple of off-season things? Again, Orlando Brown was back very early in that process compared to what holdouts can be. And how are you going to conduct yourself once you get here? And I think as, as Adam Teicher very appropriately and very well pointed out, Orlando Brown was ready for everything that came after he returned. And and this does not mean that he was an all-pro player wire to wire. It does not mean that he didn't have his hands full against the Cincinnati Bengals. He also played some really good football in the games that mattered most. The offensive line played some really good football as a unit when Patrick Mahomes needed it the most. And there was absolutely no, like, there were no stink lines coming out of the Chiefs locker room because there was there was unhappiness. Because there was some sort of discontentment about how that went. It, it wasn't super busted relationships. Like, I'm kind of wondering, like, what's Brady Singer going to be like this year when the Royals are kind of out here fighting him for pocket change and arbitration? It's a little bit different, but, you know, it's a cross-sport comparison. Never for one millisecond have I ever had reason to think like, oh yeah, Orlando Brown's just, he's not happy here. He's looking at his way to get out of here. This is all means to an end. Mike Tomlin's, uh, you know, hostages as opposed to volunteers. Never once would that have been a reasonable thing to attach to Orlando Brown. And I'm glad to have that come up again here today because predominantly those conversations only take place when the player isn't there or when the contract negotiations are front of mind. Those don't become popular talking points when the players are just doing their job at a pretty high level with not just a good attitude in the room, but also as one of the guys who is routinely mentioned among the leaders in that group. And Orlando Brown is by the coaches, by Mahomes, by the other leaders on that team. I think it paints a really interesting picture, and I'm very curious to see if both sides get that long-term extension done this time. We switch to basketball with Myron Medcalf next in the zone.